Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Casey. And this is Too Much Film School. This episode, we're going to be talking about the trailer for the upcoming Joss Whedon-produced movie, Cabin in the Woods. The movie should have come out about two years ago, but luckily for us, MGM went out of business, and we can talk about the trailer now. <laughs> That's true. I actually remember Joss Whedon talking about this at a screening for Dr. Horrible sing-along blog that I went to like two years back or something, and it was it was when they were first talking about maybe making it 3D. And he was like, no, we're not. I don't like 3D. They just shoehorn it into everything. And then I remember it just going away and then them having the trailers for it now. And go, oh, yeah, that. Coming in 3D. <laughs> so. Yeah, that and the Avengers. Like, Joss Whedon has become a 3D whore. Uh, and it's, uh, I don't know if you could say it's really his fault. He just sort of, it's shoving into his movies and he just has to say fine <laughs> yeah hopefully he can make the best with it he's promising the avengers won't be obnoxious or tacked on and sometimes it can be used well if it's planned from the beginning but i think cabin in the woods is not going to have that it seems like it was tacked on at the end yeah it looks like a terrible idea i i think it'd be fine as a uh well we can get into whether or not it'll be right. fine as a <laughs> horror movie with the 3d-ness i think i'm gonna go ahead and avoid that extra surcharge Right, you said, I think it's a terrible idea, and then I realized you were talking about 3D, when, no, I think, the tra based on the trailer, <laughs> the movie does look like a terrible idea. Well, we keep we keep uh, talking about Joss Whedon, when, in fact, he co-wrote it. I think he, at one time he was going to direct it, but it's now co-written and directed by Drew Goddard, who wrote for Buffy and Angel from Joss Whedon verse. Right, I like And then he went on to, make, to work on Alias and Lost for J.J. Abrams, and he wrote uh, Cloverfield. So he's sort of been in uh, a lot of the most important pop culture television shows in the last 15 years. So that sort of says something for the pedigree of this movie. Correct. As a writer, he has been on those projects. <laughs> um, I did not like Cloverfield. I felt it was sticky, you know, just based on, hey, shaky camera. I can't tell you. I would. I was surprised to hear it had a writer <laughs> for what it looked like. Um, so this, I'm not too excited to see what he's going to do behind the camera, but maybe with those low expectations, he'll win me over and I'll be surprised. I have the opposite uh, opinion of Cloverfield. Okay. I, I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. T.J. Miller's uh, uh, antics off-screen were amusing to me, and they probably weren't written by Drew Goddard. T.J. Yes. Miller is a very funny uh, stand-up comedian, and he's the guy who holds the camera in the movie. I'm a sucker for found footage movies, and I'm a sucker for giant monsters, and Cloverfield was just sort of the intersection of what I find scariest in a movie. Okay. And I was pretty terrified throughout that film. And uh, my I watched it at home one time, and when the monster uh, attacks and eats T.J. Miller at the end, my cat jumped up and <laughs> latched onto my chest, tore holes into my chest, and then bounced away. So even my cat thinks that it's a good, scary movie. There and I think you're outnumbered two to one. <laughs> interactive experience. With exactly. Catorama. But, bringing it back to this, uh, the first, you know, minute or so of this trailer, it's, uh, it looks like a pretty cliche, you know, kids going out. Right. Which is, it's, it's sort of it's weird because... It's supposed to be, they set it up that way and say, you think you know the story, which, yes I do. <laughs> and then we don't. And then the bird crashes into the forest field. But the weird thing about that whole, uh, you think you know the story, here's a twist thing with the trailer... I assume that the movie probably has a good, like, 20 minutes before they get to anything outside of the norm. 
Oh, I would say and, probably 30 to 40. Yeah, and, and honestly, there there's a TV trope for uh, for a lot of horror movies. Cloverfield has this. Uh, 20 minutes with jerks is what they call it. In yeah. the beginning of most horror movies, before the monster shows up or the or the psychopath or whatever, there's 20 minutes of sitting around with like teenagers sort of being douchebags uh, before they all start getting killed. Right. This movie looks like it's going to have that in spades, uh, even without the special twist that this is some sort of, you know, uh, whatever's going on with this house that's covered in, in, in cameras and stuff. Uh, I still don't need to see 20 minutes of jerks. That is true. I think the opening of the trailer kind of says that we'll have that Chris Hemsworth and the other actors seem like they pull it off pretty well, even with the cliched lines and them making it cliched for us. But the one concern I have is the uh, guy that played Topher from Doll's House. Another yeah. Joss Whedon show. Another Joss Whedon brought him along, and he just sticks out. He's the, the skinny kid in the back of the thing that says, that's what we're supposed to do, get off the grid. He's sort of like Randy from Scream. Yeah. He's and he the, knows that we're in a horror movie. The and awkward one yeah. sticking out, and he's in the back, and just like that one line is delivered so poorly that I'm like, oh, man. He doesn't seem great in this. He was okay in Doll's House, but the whole show had a ridiculous <laughs> kind of tone that you kind of had to go with. Well, the the show was based on the premise that Eliza Dushku could play a different character, right. uh, which is entirely false. There is that. <laughs> she but, plays the same girl in everything that she's ever done. Right, but it had a certain amount of whimsy. It was, oh, let's put her in different outfits each week, and you're like, okay. Yeah, I um, alias. I don't need yeah. to see Joss Whedon's alias. <laughs> so then uh, this that guy being in it, uh, I didn't bother looking up his name, uh, <laughs> wasn't a good sign. And then them getting to the cabin, it, it does do the part where it says you have no idea or... Whatever, yeah. yeah. And The they, bird crashes into a forest field. Right. Which, and, the, they do that, just sorry to interrupt, but they do that thing that I hate in trailers where there's a shot of the bird coming in and then they meld two shots together and the bird is sort of jumps ahead like a, a front right. in the frame and then crashes into the forest field. So clearly there's either a cut or they, like, they cut away to something else or there's... Uh, some bit of footage in between that they didn't want us to see. But, like, when they just meld things together in trailers as if they were one continuous shot, it just annoys me. Like, they don't go together. Quit, like, faking it. I thought, actually, they may have done that jump cut to show, oh, there's something off, even before the bird hits the forest field. It's kind of a music video stutter. It didn't seem drastic it, enough to be calling attention to, and they did a little bit of a crossfade. I think they were trying to hide okay. it. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm assigning intention to people that I've never met. Right. Although our friend Blake does cut trailers, so maybe we do know right. no, <laughs> who we, edited this. Last time we complained about the Mission Impossible 4 and how the marketing was misleading and the trailers promised a different movie, and he worked on it. Oh, good I was, no. I was complaining <laughs> at a party that he was at, and he's like, yeah, I helped with that, and yeah, we did try to amp it up. So... <laughs> It confirmed a little bit that they were really selling, but... But back to the trailer, they do set it up as, oh, you think you know the story, and then they twist it on their he its head, and it, it's almost a teaser trailer for the last half a minute or minute... No, of... it goes on for two minutes after the bird crash. Right, I meant in terms of information that we get. They oh. have no information whatsoever. There's cameras, there's quick shots of maybe a SWAT team in there, some people, people in, in baby, baby masks. Baby masks, yeah. Um, something coming out of some water... Um, I thought it was a blood drip thing because that's uh, always what they do whenever there's a culture that ball. Then, but I'm also colorblind. Oh, yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> they have a gutter of blood, like a 
storm drain type gutter gargoyle thing looking of blood coming out. Then they find an elevator shaft that's very high tech. It's like five different movies are in there at once because it, the elevator shaft they find at the end looks like it goes down into Raccoon City. Um, <laughs> the blood running out of the wall looks exactly like in Hostel 2 or whenever they go to the Czech Republic. And it's I was actually thinking sort of Underworld uh, and their like, uh, yeah, vampire layers. Okay, that could be under this cabinet. <laughs> it's the Raccoon City vampire layer of, over a hostel. So then with the cameras and everything like that, it just adds up to like a mishmash of you could take all these words and go oh it's saw they're watching them and they have to pay oh it's so even if they're doing something slightly new it's just mashing up a few other things and i can even if i don't know what it is i'm going to pick one of those five movies <laughs> and be like either it's the cult people that are killing them it's a corporation that is covering up this or somehow gains money and or privilege from killing young teens or watching young teens being killed, or there's a group of really rich men somewhere that are watching all the cameras and betting on which one will last longer, which has been done at least a dozen times, too. So, even if they twist it a little, I do not see this going in a completely unique and original direction. Well, here's my guess. I'm going to go really far afield uh, for a moment. At a certain point, Kristen Connolly, who looks to be the final girl in the film, uh, because and, uh, all of the shots that are sort of underground show her and the guy from Doll's House who right. refuse to look up. Uh, it's only them two in any of the high-tech uh, mm -hmm. layer shots. Right. So I'm assuming Chris Hemsworth, guy with no name, uh, chick who's going to take off her shirt and get killed, those three are probably dead by the time we go it's underground. Uh, and Kristen Connolly says they're, they want to see us punished. I think they're actually going into a meta direction. Uh, and are specifically referencing Carol Clover's book, Men, Women, and Chain Chainsaws, uh, which was a, a, a book from the early 90s. It was, it was the first academic study of slasher films. Okay. And that's where the term final girl actually comes from. Yeah. She was the first person who noticed, hey, we've got this girl who survives at the end of a slasher movie. It's not a dude, ever, or very rarely. Um, it's oftentimes uh, horror movies are about punishing people for, uh, or specifically punishing teenagers for... You know, sexual, sexual yeah. drugs, all of these types of things. I wonder if this is what this is going to be a super meta thing, and it's going to turn out every slasher movie we've ever seen is actually a snuff film. At the beginning of the film, they are planning on recording a Evil Dead type movie, but as things get out of control and our heroes sort of catch on, and they, the guy from Dollhouse, there's a weird shot where it's sort of fish-eyed, and he's he's clearly found a camera yeah. and is looking at the camera. And we're looking at it through the camera's perspective. I think they're going to find out that that these people make real life snuff films and then release them, them as films. And uh, that's why it's sort of all over the place. Where in certain scenes, certain shots, it looks like a cult film, right. and in other shots, it looks like a hostile film. And other shot, clearly, the beginning looks like Evil Dead. Like they have sets for different uh, horror movies to, you know put real people into these situations, and then they'll release Hostel 3, although I think it's 4 now. I think they released 3 as a straight-to-DVD movie. Probably. But I feel like it's going to be super, because it's Joss Whedon and because it's Drew Goddard, I think the two of them together, it's just going to mash up like the, the villain in Time Cop and just become like a million different like super meta. It's going to be at the most meta thing you have ever seen. Wow. That's my guess. I could see that happening, and yet... <laughs> 
that still wouldn't be unique enough for me to justify watching it. Oh yeah, it's still a, a total mishmash. But and I think their goal is to make us feel guilty for wanting to see the characters get killed. That might be a, kind of a lofty ideal behind it and a good note at the end, but still just watching it, I don't know if I can stand bring myself to do it. And as far as making the horror movie, I feel like maybe Halloween did a series uh, early on before before reality TV took off, one of the Halloween movies had where, oh, let's go stay in Michael Myers' house and film as a reality TV show along this person to stay there wins or something, and then Michael Myers shows up and kills them. And there's been movies that have engaged it as, hey, Blair Witch, too, was also a similar like, yeah. reality show thing. Even with all those mashups and all those possibilities, it doesn't feel like it's going to be original, and it could be quirky like Doll's House ended up being. And I did watch all the episodes, and it was novel. But it really just didn't jump out and grab me, or the novelty wasn't enough to sustain it as a work. Yeah, while it does have certain similarities to uh, other movies that we've seen recently, like the Resident Evil movies, um, and and maybe some of the hostile stuff. I, or Cabin Fever, again, Eli Roth. It's yeah, his earlier one. There's a cabin. I realize they're both referencing the same source. They're eventually going back to Evil Dead, yeah. I feel like they're, tonally, they're trying to shoot back to the 90s, where every movie was self-aware and the characters... Like knew they were in a horror movie, like there's the line where the where uh, Chris Hemsworth is like, "We should split up," and the guy from Dollhouse goes, "Really?" Like uh, that being aware of, let's not do this the horror movie trope. That's a nine. That's a mid nineties thing. I actually read that part as being another weird Joss Whedon throw in because. Chris Hemsworth says we have to stick together, and then the very next shot, there's even like a can high in camera flash charging sound, high pitched tone, and then he says we have to split up, and that's when the guy well, says his, really. His face also does a weird, uh, like the frames are sort of layered on top of each other as he turns his head, uh, just like the, the eagle. It <laughs> it feels like he see this is this goes back to my theory that 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 there's some sort of uh, they're making a horror film. Uh, he is somehow being controlled by something. Yeah, being made I was going to say, say these stupid horror movie tropes. I was going to say, yeah, mind control. If it's for a horror movie or not, I don't know. But it did, <laughs> again, call up Doll's House where they wipe people's minds and can program them. It felt like he they changed his personality in that one instant, which, again, is a sci-fi weird throwaway. Maybe they're going to do something with that. Maybe they're going to have the baby doll faces that really chalk so much into it that I lose interest because I'm like, I'm not going to guess which of these you're going for. You've packed it with too many options. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, a, it's almost sort of representative, even though it hasn't. It's been sitting on the shelf for a couple of years. It's almost representative of what's going on in horror movies right now is that we sort of, since the 90s uh, self-reflexive thing, we sort of went through a period of stealing Japanese horror movies, and then we did the splatter porn, and then... Uh, all of the found footage tour movies have been right. coming out. And now I kind of feel like people are wondering what the next thing is. Um, although maybe the found footage hasn't really run its course yet because we're only three movies into Paranormal Activity. We've got at least four well, more to go <laughs> before I mean, that runs out of steam. Yeah, we referenced uh, Cloverfield or the Blair Witch Project started it all off. Quarantine, and... the, la the Last Exorcism. Right. All of these movies that I like and uh, you hate. <laughs> uh, what was the Insidious... I didn't see... I don't think anyone, was good. And, uh, I don't think anyone else saw... <laughs> it's a lot of quick cuts, things jumping up in front of the camera, I think was the whole... Things that are line. considered scary, you know, that you might want for a horse. Startling. <laughs> I'd say startling.
not so much scary as, yes, there was movement very close <laughs> to my field of vision. Wow, that was startling. Well, potato, potato. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a feeling right now that when we see this film, and we will, uh, I'm going to enjoy it, and you're not. I'm just going to throw that out there. That is a fairly reasonable prediction. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Tune in next time for our full-length review of one of the hottest movies out. I don't know. <laughs> Whichever one it is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pick one. So, see you next time.